Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind All My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready. I'll be your host today. As always, Martin Palomo is with us down in uh, Madison Ridgeland area today on the show. We're going to have Tiffany Bobs back again. You know her as our master sommelier. We'll talk some food and wine with her, and we'll also have uh, Alex Eaton on the show for the first time. He's the chef and owner of Manship, uh, Manship Jackson there in Jackson. We'll talk about his story, talk about some things that have happened with uh, with them recently. So we'll tie some business into uh, some food and wine and all of that in at the same time. First, let me tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's really that simple. It's right to the bottom line. If you think you're in the market for a vehicle, even if you don't live anywhere near Amory, Mississippi, make a phone call, 662-257-1900. Get a quote. At the very least, Corey is going to help you get an idea of what you should be uh, willing to pay, what the, what the market is. At the very most, he's going to get you into a Clark Ford, and if that happens, you'll be thrilled with it because Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make a call, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get started with the show, tell people about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Absolutely. Um, man, excited to be back, Neil. Uh, excited to be talking with uh, with these two about some fun stuff, especially coming off of you know a week where we talked uh, about some pretty serious topics um, that were you know tough topics to tackle. So it'll be It'll be fun to have a, you know, a fun, a fun topic after that. Um, you know, the best way to get in touch with us um, at Pinnacle is, uh, is really through social media. Um, we are really active there on Facebook. We're pretty active on Twitter as well. Um, the podcast has its own Facebook page. Uh, so if you haven't liked or followed uh, the Mind on My Money podcast, certainly do that or find us on on Pinnacle Trust. Uh, you can get us through email as well, um, info at pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N trust.com. Uh, and, and if you're just you know wanting to go the old-fashioned route as well, we do answer our phones. Uh, so 601-957-0323. Um, you know, we want to be the person that, uh, that people come to first when they have you know, questions or comments or concerns as it relates to their personal finance. And sometimes even as it doesn't relate to their personal finance, you know, if they're having problems at the house and they need a, you know, a plumber recommendation, an electrician recommendation, you know, one of the things that we try to do is build relationships with all different professions um, throughout our area uh, so that we can be of service and add value to our clients, not just in, not just in their pocketbooks, but, uh, but, you know, also helping them with things around their house. Um, you know, one of the things that one of the big topics right now that's that a lot of, of folks have been asking us about 
um, really has zero to do with um, money, but it's had to do with the, you know, the, the, what's bleeding and leading on every headline news story right now, which is, you know, the coronavirus outbreak. Um, one of the things that uh, I think where we add a lot of value to our clients is, um, you know, there is, there is some reason for concern, but I don't think that there's any reason at the moment to make these drastic changes that uh, a lot of folks have been calling and, you know, asking, Hey, is this, you know, is this the time that, you know, we should be getting out. And if you don't have an advisor, you know, you're left up to your own devices to make those decisions. And usually those are very emotional decisions. So what we want to do is be able to take the emotion out of it. Talk about reason. Um, I do have one client. He's really awesome too. Um, and he's probably one of the easier guys to work with. And he called me yesterday um, and asked, Hey, you know, the market down a thousand points, let's buy some stocks. I was like, all right, man, you're the, that's my mentality too. But you know, most people don't have the, the stomach to do those things. And so one of the things that, that makes sense is we look at every person's personality, you know, what their quote unquote risk budget is. And if, uh, you know, and we try to keep folks in the seat as we're kind of going through some ups and downs in the markets, but you know, next year, this time, we probably won't even be talking about a virus. It'll be something else. And, you know, one of the things we want to make sure that folks do is, it's, you know, look at their goals and stay on track and not just react to every piece of news um, that comes out in the media. So, man, I'll kind of get off of my soapbox because I'm really excited to have um, Alex and Tiffany. You know, Tiffany back, of course. I think she's our most, she's our frequent flyer. Um, her shows tend to be pretty popular. And then I'm excited to have Alex in the studio for the T first time as well. Tiffany's repeated presence on the program is also indicative of my love of alcohol, I'm afraid. So <laughs> we need more people like you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so Neil, I know you can't see this man, but I've got to tell you something funny. So Stacy, you know, Stacy's really creative and he got this board. I'll have to send you a picture of it. And he's got a, he's got a joke on there. Uh, since we've got foodies and whinies in here and, uh, the, the saying on it is I followed my heart it led me to my fridge. So I hope that sets the tone for what we're going to do today. We're going to have some fun talking about food, talking about wine, and then we'll let Chef talk about some of the insanity of also running a restaurant, not just from the serving awesome food side, but having to deal with the stupidity and crap that comes up with owning a business. Yeah, I, I can't. I worked in the restaurant business just long enough to know or long enough to have some idea of what it would be like to work in it full time. I, I, in, in some ways I just can't, I can't really imagine just cause you finding good people and then you deal with the public and the hours and it's, it's a, it's a unique lifestyle, I suppose. You either love it or hate it. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with my last name being Eaton, though, I, I don't think I had much of a no, choice. No, words, uh, dude. It's phenomenal. To head that route. Um, and if you're from Mississippi, you say it really fast. Yeah. Eaton. Eaton. Eat on. Eat on, baby. Eat on, baby. <laughs> dude, that should totally be y'all's slogan, man. I mean, yeah. maybe that doesn't fit the manship. My business partner's last name's O'Neill, so technically it could be Eat on. Eat Eaton O'Neill, but it just go. looks like it's all mine, so uh, we haven't made that move yet. But. I like it. I like it. Well, man, tell us a little bit about your story, Chef. So, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, you you grew up in the Metro Jackson area, right? Yeah. So, uh, there's a long version and a short version. We'll try to stick with the short. Um, nice. I was, I was born in South Jackson in uh, about 1988. I moved to Ridgeland back when it was uh, 
down Old Agency Road, past St. Andrews. Uh, yep. It was Rock Roads. So I thought my parents were crazy. Um, my grandfather, uh, a full-blooded Lebanese man, used to pick me up from school and, and, and take me home and uh, drop me off, and we would be in the middle of nowhere. Um, I could talk him into doing anything. I, I could get, you know, steak out was one of the restaurants back then. I used yeah. to love to get, and uh, we would go sit down at Outback Steakhouse. I was a big steak guy, so we would just... Um, you know, I, I was enthralled by getting raised by him. Um, but w I would get out to my house a lot of times and we didn't have a whole lot of snack foods. So, uh, I would, I would constantly just be calling my mom who was a nurse and my dad was down the street. He runs an oil company, uh, out of, out of an unbelievable office, uh, overlooking a lake. But, uh, so he wasn't far away, but I was always trying to figure out what I could eat. And, you know, a lot of it had to be cooked and i remember calling my mom and you know always wanting to be good at it but always ended up uh, burning you know like smelling smell of burned pepper you know or whatnot uh going throughout the house and they'd get home and be like geez what have you been doing but um so yeah. other dudes are building forts and you're yeah i'm, I'm trying to figure out how to how to <laughs> how to fire up the grill outside and get something quick to eat before they get home nice, but uh, nice yeah i carried over um my love for food I, as i just mentioned my mom's side of the family was lebanese and so uh it, it was a little bit different uh on holidays and stuff i remember being a little kid and the foods were different at thanksgiving and christmas and but everything kind of revolved around food and about that about that time when I could realize what was going on, Food Network had came out and everybody was a chef. And, you know, my, my mom and dad really, really, my, that's about when my dad got into cooking. Um, but it carried over into, I was a Boy Scout. And so I would be on campouts and all the kids there were just eating, you know, basic stuff, Lunchables and stuff. And I was bringing food and had the latest and greatest cooking equipment from Buffalo Peak. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was out Buffalo there, Peak, right? you know, with, you know, marinated meats, cooking up a storm, and everybody else was in a line eating hot dogs and and and, and pre-cooked jambalaya and stuff. But uh, I just always remember, you know, wanting to be good at that. And so, you know, after that, it it, it carried over to college where we were having parties or hunting camps where people were messing meals up, and I just kind of always took it into my hands to try to make it right. And the older I got, and you know, the more I got into college, I realized that, um, you know, you might need to specialize in something you like. I went to uh, Mississippi State for construction management, which now I realize what I do is kind of like construction management. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a lot more, uh, less pay probably and, and, and worse problems. Yeah. <laughs> But you're creating every day. Yeah, my parents told me, you know, if you if you graduate college, we'll send you wherever you want to go. And I uh, decided to go to culinary school after college and went to uh, Charlotte to Johnson and Wells uh, Culinary School. And I thought it was in Charleston, but uh, <laughs> it was still in Charleston on Google. But then I uh, realized it moved to Charlotte, and I'd never been there, so I said, "What the hell?" You know, I, I wanted to stay in the South, so I went to. Charlotte and went to culinary school and that's where I, I worked at a place called uh, Rooster's Woodfire Kitchen which was an unbelievable restaurant and everything I do to this day still kind of um, reminds me of my time there I mean we have the Manship Woodfire Kitchen uh, you know it was Rooster's Woodfire Kitchen um, so let me interrupt for a minute because I'm curious because people talk about culinary school and in my mind I have 
this picture of like a class setting and you're learning how to make a hollandaise sauce and a bernay sauce and you're learning knife skills and stuff like that what is culinary school like culinary school is exactly what you just said only there's about 95 percent of the people there will never do this for a living they're just like oh this is so cool you know and i it's actually funny we've had some unfortunate things happen and i always say they don't teach you this and culinary school you know <laughs> so it is a fast track to see a lot of things and a lot of different things that if you were to do it in quote unquote the school of hard knocks you would not maybe see as fast but in this pro- profession i tell everybody your daddy can't get you this job your dad can't make you an executive chef and if you are it'd be like uh being the head uh uh boss of a of a prison they scope it out real quick that you didn't know what you were doing unless you've been there since day one <laughs> prison <laughs> kitchen yeah, yeah. prisons and kitchens have a lot in common more ways than one really selling the industry today i know, so. I know. But hey, next on food network scoop, though. Well, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be honest today i love it i love it um but from there, uh, I, my, my wife now was my girlfriend at the time. We met at Mississippi State. She was there. Uh, she had got there six months before me and got a job, which she still has to this day. And uh, when I got out of culinary school, I was trying to move to, to Colorado. I thought that would be a great idea. And uh, I'd lived there before, which I knew it probably wouldn't be a good idea for, <laughs> to start my career. But uh, we decided, she's from the coast, that we were, were going to move to New Orleans uh, and I w- started working for John Besh and Alon Shia down there. And uh, we opened Dominica Restaurant, which is a northern Italian restaurant, um, which is where I got uh, my pizza knowledge, which is what I have on, on two restaurants at the Manship. And I also have Aplos in uh, Highland Village. Um, but spent some time down there cooking and, and, and kind of sent an email up to some guys in Jackson that were opening restaurants, uh, Al Roberts and Bill Latham. Just letting them know that if they ever needed a chef, you know, I was down here training. I wasn't ready to come back to town, but they called me the next day. And within a few months, I was up in Jackson opening the uh, uh, Table Table 100 100. in Flowood. Yeah, and that's kind of where the three of us really met was, you know, was Table 100. And um, Neil, I think in one of the Bob's episodes... (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. That's we're going to call it the Bob's episodes now. I'm going to so, get a t-shirt with that printed on. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. There's some restaurant language. We all end up calling each other by their, our last names. Um, but, you know, Bob's and I talked about we met and I guess it was really it was 2010, wasn't it? 2010, yeah, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the restaurant, I had just moved back from D.C. Um, and I was uh, asked to leave my position at the state government. Um as a portfolio manager for PERS and, you know, with the kiddos, uh, the bills didn't stop coming. And, and I jumped in at, at table 100 and that's where I, I met where, where I met these two. And, uh, and there's been some, there's been some kind of cool life changing stuff that happened there. Not trying to get like sappy on a, on a, on an episode, <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe in another episode we can talk about, you know, chef helped my brother out. Uh, Alex helped my brother out a pretty good bit. Um, and he may not want us to talk about it on air, so I won't, but, uh, you know, there's some, you know, there's some good friendships, good, some, some good connections, and there's really good people in the restaurant business. And, um, and there's some, you know, life changing stuff that happened there too. But so talk about how long were you at take? You were a sous chef first. Sous chef first. Uh, and then I got chef de cuisine, uh, which is just basically I was in charge of all the food and 
uh, Chef Mike Romhild, a German chef, was kind of in charge of the, the, the business, and I was kind of more of on the restaurant side. Um, really didn't want to leave and was contacted by some businessmen that set me up with now Stephen O'Neill, my business partner. And we're just like, hear this guy out. We think we got, we, we want to invest in a restaurant, but we don't want to do it unless you're involved with it. And if, if you do it, I think it's a good opportunity. And, um, you know, at that time you think you're ready for it. You know, uh, I, I'd been working for Alan Bill at that time for about two years and I'd been down in New Orleans learning how to cook. So yep. I figured you have everything. But boy, could you ever be so wrong to think that you you know what you're doing in this business? You've got to make every single mistake, sometimes twice. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's running a business, man. I mean, yeah. And it's like if you go to school, you go to business school to, you know, you get a, an MBA or or even you know just an undergrad in business. You leave thinking, all right, I I know what I'm doing, and then no, like academia is like in a vacuum, and then the the best experience you get is you know yeah. is on the job. Yeah, I like to say that, I mean, it's just a magnified model of business 101. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I mean, you, the beauty of it is you're, you're working with all walks of life. Nobody's really the same. They all have different backgrounds, but we all have one goal, and that is to serve our guests. Um, but you, you deal with everything from staff problems to getting to know people. And, and, and I would say that we can get into more of this. Uh, that was probably my biggest mistake was that I cared too much about people and at first was letting my love for people uh, outweigh what the business actually needed. It's um, still his biggest flaw. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> yeah. So Bob's kind of, I'm going to pause Alex's story for a minute. So, I mean, we, we just talked about that, you know, the three of us all work together at 100. When, when did you come into the picture with the manship. I mean, I know you and Alex had the relationships already and you've been, you're a, you know, an industry veteran as well and, right. and really knowledgeable. And I think it's a, a good move to, to bring you on board. But when did you get involved? So, um, I had been at table since we opened. And, um, as I've mentioned on both episodes, I have the tiny human and she was starting to get to these preteen years where, um, you, you need a mom to keep a little eye on you because they're, they're real smart. She's figured out some, you know, ins and outs. <laughs> and, um, as much as I love table 100, they were, you know, they're growing bigger and the hours there were not really conducive to me being a divorced mom. So I was, had sort of been looking around in the uh, area for something that might could um, sort of be more family focused. And of course I knew Alex from um, table and loved everything that they did. I mean, Manship was my favorite restaurant to go and eat. So, uh, cause in the restaurant industry, you very rarely just get to go out and eat and have dinner. So um, when I did, that was usually where I went and uh, the sales manager at Manship is a good friend of mine. And I had worked with at table 100 and she mentioned Hey, so I think we're, you know, looking for somebody to sort of focus on the wine aspect of the business. Because, um, of course, Stephen, as we've talked about before, is um, a genius at all things bourbon and whiskey related. Right. But, um, and it might be fun to have him on at some uh, point, too, to talk whiskey. Definitely. going to need a, a double the amount of time. <laughs> so it'll, we'll, just, we'll just do a twofer. Yeah. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll split that bad three hour, uh, Three hour segment. <laughs> Neil, maybe we'll come to Oxford for the, for the, for the bourbon and whiskey recording does neil like bourbon i forget i felt like there was some sort of fight last time about bourbon. you know <laughs> tiffany i think what we should do is i probably should try some when y'all come up and i'll find out whether i like it or not i like it yeah there you go. i'll see if i can't find something to bring up <laughs> yeah so. that'd be great 
just um, bring 15 so to 20 and we'll, yeah, because I want to make sure that I try enough <laughs> to be able to, you know, I don't want to make a quick judgment, you know, in, in, in baseball, you know, there's like sample size, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to make sweeping assertions after just four or five at bats. You want to let a few at bats happen. So I'll bring I, a whole tasting palette and chef can bring up a pizza with some pineapple on it for you and uh, we'll be good to go. You had me all the way to the end and then you lost me. Yeah, I knew I knew that was I knew that was coming. Uh, I'll bring Domino's in for you. We'll bring Domino's, pepperoni, and pineapple for so that so that Neil can take the whole pizza and put it in the garbage. <laughs> you won't have to worry. You won't have to worry about me eating of it, any of it. I'll tell you that. That ugh. are you, Chef Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Uh, I'm not a fan, but I've seen it done. And I'll do anything you need for. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, we'll we'll edit that out right. Now. He'll do anything that we need. I'm I'm really sick, man. So, <laughs> uh, well, the Lebanese have a different view of life. They they were merchants. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true, and and we're Cuban, and yeah. so you know, like you, you can relate. Yeah, sort of. We uh we don't we we can sell our morals for for the dollar. So. <laughs> welcome anyway, to the restaurant industry. Yes, welcome to the restaurant industry. Right, this, the door into the darkness. Yeah. All right, so. I, Alex, let me get us back on <laughs> on track here. So you're talking about staffing is, you know, one of the harder things for you just because some, you know, you got a big heart for people. And yeah, so um, what basically happened was when you get get here and, and I can't reiterate how important it is to get good people around you, but it's not always very easy unless you, you know, were here for a long time. So right. I, I did live here, but professionally, I'd never worked here. And my only outlet for employees was through the Table 100 pipeline. So the way it worked basically was, hey, Alex is opening a restaurant. I'm not taking everybody from Table 100. I might take one guy. Who do you know that wants to work here? And then next thing you know, you've got a whole family reunion of the same kind of people working for you. Um, and it worked good uh, the first couple of years, but it got to the point where it kind of got away from me. Uh, I, I didn't really have, I had some hard workers, but I didn't actually have true help that could help me with the, the most important aspects of the business. And, and coming from New Orleans and, and Charlotte, I'd, I'd been in uh, restaurants that were extremely busy at all times. There was, you know, tourism and constant events going on. I mean, if it wasn't the Super Bowl, it was the National Championship or Mardi Gras or, uh, you right. know, any. I mean, it's always something down there, and it's just things. I was working for the Brennan family as well, so it was an institution. Um, so that being said, it 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 got kind of got away from me where I was caring so much about all these guys that really, you know, they did probably love me, but they they loved the fact that they were getting paid and not really being made to be super efficient. I right. Mean, when we were busy, we were busy, and it was good, but it was before and after the busy where things the were kind of slipping off. from me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my chef with me at the time was a guy named Reggie Manuel. God bless his soul. Yeah, he passed away from cancer. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll talk about him too, because yeah. I know that that's been some ups and downs there as well. Yeah. But it was kind of a blessing in disguise that, um, you know, I finally was like, man, I, I'm going to need some help. And at that point, we'd had a girl named Jessica Davenport had come over from Babalu as our offsite manager, um, catering manager. And she was like, you need to reach out to Christian Rodriguez. He was, you know, at the time, Babalu was going through a lot of changes. Right. He's, I was like, man, I, I can't afford him, but if he's interested, I'll talk to him. And at that point I kind of realized like, 
I, I really need to spend some money here and, and get some true help. And if I get the help where I need it, then it's money well spent, yeah. you know? And so it's a good investment. That was the beginning of the start of getting good people in and, and, and it snowballed after that. From there, it was like, talk to Tiffany. Uh, you can get Tiffany to focus on the wine. Cause Steve, it was almost like the wine had become an afterthought of this, you know, thousand skew bourbon bar that we had. Um, and, 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 the, the, the cards started playing. Christian had a whole arsenal of employees. He got in there and, and immediately, you know, I could cook, but I wasn't like skilled at being efficient and scheduling and, uh, you know, looking at the business from the different eyes that he had. Right. And he came in there and was like, I think that's his skill set is making restaurants efficient. Yeah. So, so operations management was really his yeah. skill. And you were like, the artist in residence that was yeah, and I'm like the face and the guy that you know yeah. everybody sees around town. Hey man, I love your restaurant. You know you can be really busy in a restaurant and not be making any money. Yeah. You just you know just getting enough by. And I I don't know if you but I don't like to work this hard for not no money. You know I, mean, <laughs> I was making my salary, but there's nothing left over at the end of the year for a couple of those years. And so Christian came in and immediately the culture of the restaurant we've got to diversify this thing we need different types of people you've got too many people here and not enough people here um you know with tiffany came some assistants in the front of house and you know there it was just kind of like fate kind of got on my side finally and uh we went from you know losing money in the summer so we've i think we've had 12 consecutive maybe 13, 14, 15 consecutive profit and loss statements with no nothing in the red. Um, now, through those two years, we, we had gotten behind on a couple of things, and we've since paid those back off. So now we're kind of building our war chest. Um, but it's it's good that happened to me at a, at a young age. Yep. And, uh, you know, you're constantly learning and you're constantly adjusting. I tell people restaurants are like sighting in a rifle, and you hope opening day you, you hit the paper – and then everything after that is, you know, how's the wind blowing? How's the bullets firing? You know, um, it's also got a lot, kind of like a coaching change, you know, um, with the college football and all, um, recruiting and, you know, getting different assistants in there. And is your strength good? And, uh, you know, are we being efficient when we have the ball? I mean, that's that's the, the, the way the game's played. Indeed, man. I mean, and I think that, you know, what you're describing is, you know, a lot of our listeners that are that are business owners, it doesn't matter what your business is. You know, I mean, you guys happen to be in the service industry with, you know, with restaurants. But, you know, in, in all businesses, there's there's that that curveball, the unexpected, you know, you plan for everything and then and then something changes or something, you know, a truck doesn't get delivered or you get a truck delivered that has the wrong stuff on it or, you know, just things that that, that you don't expect, you know, people that are really good people leave or in your case with, with Reggie. And I want to talk about that a little bit too, because it is some of the ebbs and flows of, of, you know, of running a business and running your restaurant, you know? And I mean, I know Reggie too. I knew Reggie from table 100 and then all of a sudden, you know, Reggie dies and that has an impact in your kitchen and impact in your staff. And I mean, I know everyone was really close to him and you could see that too on, uh, you know, when, you know, watching you guys kind of grieve and mourn through that. And that was a, Talk about that, man. That was kind of a big loss for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it started out with, you know, uh, getting the Obamacare, you know, employee mandate. We, we were freaking out about that. All of a sudden, we were going to have to pay all this money to insurance. So we had 
we had decided like we can't bring any more business here. There was tons of restaurants opening in Jackson and during that time, we can't necessarily bring any business here. But what we can control is what we do off site. So we built the Rick House, which is our private dining facility attached to the parking garage of Manship, and we built a uh, 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 a kitchen on wheels, basically our off site cooking rig, so we could pull up to these. Uh, uh, different businesses and, and provide restaurant quality food. Um, we thought that's how we could win in catering is pulling up and actually having a restaurant at like Butler Snow or Pinnacle Trust or some of these businesses and uh, cook fry food fresh on site so it wasn't getting shipped from restaurants. Um, about that time, you know, things started getting really tight because we're trying to do all this expansion and there's cash money. flows going on and uh, and then Reggie gets sick and I'm down a guy and I'm just trying to hang on with him and still pay him so he could get through all his cancer treatments. Um, so we decided just to keep him on, you know, and, and, and as you know, in restaurants, the margins are, are small. super thin. Yeah. So all of that was really hitting us at the same time. I mean, it was, it was a scary time. I had, I was on another podcast, uh, made in Mississippi podcast. And they asked me, have you ever been scared? I'm scared every single day when I wake up and every single night when I go to bed. I mean, it's I'm relying on the people in my community to support my restaurants, given the fact that a lot of them live outside in Madison. And now Madison has, you know, great restaurants, right. Kate, Kessler Prime, all that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm from out here. I, I get it. You know, who wants to go to Jackson sometimes when you got that kind of stuff right beside you? But you rely on you know, people just to support you. Yeah, just so um, you and, can take and, care and, of your people. And that's, you know, what I try to do is take care of my people. And if we take care of people, take care of the community, then you hope the community takes care of you. That's why I do so much for all the schools yeah. and all the, the different charities. But back to Reggie, you know, we, he held on as long as he could, and he was a extremely hard worker, but he didn't have any experience with scheduling or, you know, any of the financial aspects of it. So... Um, you know, he, he would have done anything in the world to, to help me in any way he could, but there's only so much that I could get from him, not knowing myself what to do. Um, so with Christian coming on, it kind of completed the, the, the force that we needed to, nice. to prevail. Um, and it's, it took a year to get a, get a good staff around us. Cause you know, with, with turnover, you got to get a new system, either get in or get out. And, uh, you know, a couple of people would hang on that maybe you didn't necessarily want to hang <laughs> on, but at the same time, they'd been with you through thick and thin and you want to kind of just let it kind of work its way out. But um, now we've got a crew uh, of people that are super efficient, super loving, super diverse. Um, everybody's kind of got a role that we play. Um, here I am at a podcast, you know, reaching out to the community. But, Indeed, man. Uh, we've got people on the ground right now doing deliveries and catering and um, all of the above. So, well, I know that, you know, you guys have had some successes. There's been some ups and some downs. I know most recently you guys have had a, a new experience at the restaurant in the last week, you know, on top of, and not that you guys, not that where your restaurant's located, that, you know, we're in any danger of, of the flood from the Pearl river, you know, kind of causing you guys some harm, but there's been a lot of people in the community that's been, you know, really hurt. Um, you know, their lives have been changed by, by the flooding here, but you guys kind of had your own yeah. kind of emergency craziness. Yeah. This past month has been, uh, 
man, I'd have, got, I'd have hopped on the ARC if I could this <laughs> week. But um, we've had three sewage backups, and, I, and we're, we're trying to determine how that keeps happening. The city says it's us. We say it's the city. We've done just... everything we can. I mean, as far as, like, everything that you know to do, like, ductwork cleaning, sewage cleanings. We have our, everything has always been current with reputable companies as far as grease traps and all that. So uh, we had three close calls and one full sewage backup where sewage came in the restaurant. We, uh, we never closed down through it. We did stop service for about four hours one day and had a complete clean of the restaurant. And then that happened on a Friday, that Saturday we cleaned and cleaned and cleaned and we're open for business. And then that Sunday we had a complete clean of the restaurant. Um, so we had the three sewage backups, um, and that time, and then kind of got used to that. Then we had the boil water notices, yep. multiple of those, which we've, we've gone through before. So we're kind of used to that. But until you go through a boil water notice on Valentine's night, you really haven't been through a boil water notice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, and why not just throw a boil water notice on Valentine's? Why not? You know, we've we've. So take I us take say, us inside what that for people that say, well, I, I haven't ever been through that because they're not in the boil business. Boil water notice. Think of all, you don't realize it till you. Uh, well, until you, the worst boil water notice is when you literally have no water, no toilets, no way to wash dishes right uh no way to wash plates you have to switch everything to paper plates you have to call in we use pepsi which is a, an amazing partner they bring all the you know bottled waters and pepsis and cans and all that you have to get in ice you have to uh you know bring in hand washing stations porta potties for your guests to use um, yeah and just and, just so for some of our listeners too that may not live because we have listeners all over the kind of scattered all over the southeast the city of jackson's infrastructure is i mean it has been crumbling for years um you know when they break when we, when they look at water mains you have you know if you have a three inch main you might have an inch and a half of buildup on you know on the inside of these pipes and so and i'm a resident of jackson alex lives in jackson as well and it's it's not uncommon for um for us to get you know notices that you know water pressure has gone out uh so they can't they can't confirm that, uh, you know, that the water is clean and not contaminated. And so, you know, you, the, they'll send out the recommendations of, you know, not to use the water for drinking, for anything like that. And then a lot of times what will end up happening, it happened to us. We had a Game of Thrones party um, for the last season. <laughs> and uh, that, of course, aired on Sunday. But Saturday, uh, the city shut the water off at, you know, for a, a lot of my neighborhood because, they were having to work on on water mains, so yeah. I couldn't flush toilets. I didn't have yeah, <laughs> drinking and, and water. It's funny I how shower. insurance works because that particular one is the one where we brought the porta potties and all that in, and it was insurance did not cover it because it was a voluntary shutoff that we were warned about. So at that oh point, gosh. you're like, "What are we gonna do?" Because we were at a point where we could not shut down. We could not not try and fight and try to get through it. And it's just that mindset is what I would say is one of my strong suits with Steven, who is a military guy, Purple Heart. I mean, when the when the stuff hits the fan, it's like this is what we got to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And we're who's with us? Yep. Either get in or get out. We're we're doing this, so no complaints. You know, the same thing happened this Saturday. Unfortunately, uh, I'd worked all morning. We did a, a Brandon Amphitheater event with our cooking trailer. I, 
got the restaurant set up and had a day of fishing with my son because uh, that's another part that's hard is just making time for your i've got three yeah. boys yeah, we'll and a talk wife about that and, too uh, man uh, you know, I was fishing with my son. We we're having a great day. We we're talking about cooking dinner that night, and uh, I get a call that you know, man, we the building's on fire. Oh well, are you sure it's us? Is it above us? Is it? They originally they thought it was the the, the building above us, the, the some of the offices. Um, but no, what had happened was you know we cook with wood fired equipment. We we were on a sixty day cleaning schedule for six years, but however. There, the way that we had to vent out our building had, had caused us to create some duct work that kind of made these weird twists and turns. And over six years of wood-fired cooking, there was um, some sort of little pockets that had just collected grease. Mm. And somehow, some way, we're still yet to know, the fire went from the grill up and through the duct and kind of caught some of that grease on fire. So we basically had fire shooting off the top and off the bottom. <laughs> Of the awesome. duct work. And Is there a video of that? I have no idea. <laughs> um, we're still trying to navigate through all this. No, but it, it set off what we call the fire suppression or Ansel system. And I, I've i never oh, in my life been in a restaurant where that system went off. But when it goes off, it, it makes, makes a mess. And mess. Yeah. Um, so here we are now. We've got time for a podcast because we're, we're in limbo with the insurance company and, you know, trying to. We, we tried to clean it up as best as we could, but they're telling you don't clean it up. And, you know, you're trying to get back open as soon as they give you the green light. But there's some equipment stuff we had to get from Chicago all the way down to New Orleans. Um, and so we're just for this. Once again, this is on the ground training live right now. Yeah. What's going on? Here's how we're doing it. This is what we know. This is what we don't. Um, and I just hate not being open for my guests. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to be a dependable place that everyone can go to. Right. Um, Some stuff's out of your control, man. It, just going back to what Steven said, you know, when the stuff hits the fan or when the when the defecation hits the oscillation, <laughs> yeah. it's never evenly well, distributed, man. Well, I jumped out of my, my seat when they told me, and I was like, I got to get back to manship. And I called my general manager at the time. Justin Corson was the one there. He said, man, this fire's going to burn hot no matter if you're here or not. It was going to light if you were here or not. It's going to get put out the same way if you're here or not. Just enjoy the, the night with your kids and come in in the morning and do what you do. And so, you know, I had a night to – I had just bought that heavyweight fight as well. So I was like, <laughs> I can't believe this. But, uh, you know, I just knew that I could take the night to kind of gather my thoughts on what I thought needed to be done. And it was it was a it was kind of like the beauty from the decay that happened where our staff showed up that next morning. And we just, you know, they had their husbands and wives and kids and everybody was there cleaning up the mess we weren't supposed to. Um, but Whoops. it was Whoops. it's a beautiful thing when you when you get all walks of life like that together and we're all. You know, that's when you see that people care about you and yeah. care about the business that we all rely on. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's stressful. It's the unknown that you're wading through. But that's with life. It's it's the same feeling you get when you're thinking about buying a house or you're getting a divorce or you're you know, you've got to be able to step out of these situations and look at, at your life and say, well, at the end of the day. The, the whole building didn't burn down. The, the restaurant didn't burn down. Right. The equipment got messed up from the water and the, the fire. We've got to figure out how to prevent it in the future. But we're all safe. Well, we'll, uh, we'll reopen. We have insurance. We're going to be okay. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's not fun. But, you know, people, 
people react to that. I think that when we re- reopen, it'll be it'll be a beautiful thing for people that might might eat at Manship every week to say, "Damn, wow, I, I really appreciate Manship. Their, their stuff's really good. I ate at X restaurant the other day for lunch, and it wasn't that good. I, I appreciate them." So, well, and I think um, that you know Jackson and and really kind of the South, the South, the Deep South is is real uh, community focused as well, and you do a lot in the community. But there was something you said as well, and there's something Bob said, you know, for one of the reasons that she joined the team, um, that, you you know, you talked about the family. And, and that's important because a lot of I know a lot of folks who work in the service industry is tough to be a mom and a dad um, when you work in the industry. And, and also that you own the restaurant and then Bob's, you know, you're you're running the, the show with the wine and, you know, and also the front of the house. You, you talk about. Talk a little bit about, you know, how do you balance that out with making sure that you're being a good dad and a good mom and, you know, and spending time with the family. And God, you just pray that you're not screwing them up and they don't end up on a <laughs> podcast one day talking about. Talking about their addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 sa- I'll save y'all seats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for me, uh, uh, Abigail's dad is in the restaurant industry as well. So this is what she's grown up knowing. So and it'll be the same for Alex's kids. Like they will never know their life outside of the restaurant industry. God willing that we uh, all keep our jobs. <laughs> Let's knock on some wood here after this well, week. Plastic, so sorry. Uh, well, straight to the head. Straight <laughs> to the head. Uh, but so she sort of like, I mean, she's grown up in it. She sort of knows the craziness. Like she knows, Hey, mom's schedule is weird. But like uh, I was telling Alex before we got started, um, as I dropped her off to carpool this morning, I said, all right, I'll see you this afternoon. She goes, wait, you're picking me up. And I said, yeah. I said, the restaurant's closed. So I said, I can come pick you up this afternoon. She's like, oh, can you do it all this week? I said, well, that's probably what the insurance guy is going to tell us. So, yeah. And so you just have to take those moments. Like, was this a good? No, this was horrible. I mean, literally only manship can we have water coming from the bottom and the top and still manage to catch on fire. So it's not something you ever <laughs> wish for. But at the same time, I mean, I've I had dinner with my daughter last night. I took her to school this morning. I'm picking her up this afternoon. Uh, I get to do the podcast today. I'm going out. Uh, we're doing a private dinner for some uh, great guests. And so I'm going to go out and look in their wine cellar and pair wines. So I get to sort of turn back into my passion. And this is a reset button. It's like, and you have to do that in this industry. When you have those moments, when you're out fishing with your son, you take that moment and enjoy it because you might work a 20 hour day the next day you don't know and you never know what's going to get thrown your way so you just have to roll with it and be thankful and that's been the main thing for me especially at manship i mean the amount of support they have given me is unreal like there's not been one time when i've asked to you know take off to see abigail or do anything that they're just like yeah go i mean why are you even here so it's and that is not the norm in this industry there are plenty of uh, places where it's no, you're here or you're out. Yeah, and the cultures, the culture's not exactly, not the same. Exactly, it, that's one of the things Alex mentioned earlier too. Was culture was important? Culture, you got it right. culture in any business is, I guess it's probably easier to maintain if you start with it. But if you didn't have it and then you try to get it, it is the hardest thing to get. And for me, with you know juggling three kids, I've got three kids, two restaurants, a wife. Uh, I've got some incredible friends, but it's just juggling that, you know, because um, it. I also recommend a really good therapist, if you are. <laughs> dude. <laughs> so or a really big bottle of wine. We have a. We have I a, love my therapist, man. Yeah. I, and I, Neil, 
we'll, we'll another day. Continue on. Yes. <laughs> we have a great therapist named Lada that is just like a family therapist, but she kind of navigated that our personalities and that for that, that helped my wife kind of understand that like Alex yeah. is going to do everything he can for everybody he can. And that's something you can't change. He's going to try to make his friends happy, his restaurant people happy. And sometimes it might seem like he's not caring about you, but he's trying to get those two things done so that he can get to y'all. And it's just like a juggling act. You know, once your friends have seen you a bunch, your your family's mad. Once your your family sees you a bunch, your restaurant's slipping. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, how do you juggle this? And it's a you know, I, I tell people, I don't live like, oh, it's Friday. Like, every single day is the exact same, and when I'm off, it's Friday. You know, yeah. it's it's time to go. So, you know, like, I fit a lot of stuff in. I play hard and work really hard. But I, I, I in my mind, try to put stuff on the calendar and get to that to, to, to spend time with the family. Uh, um, dude, there's a really good book called, it's a short book, too, but it's called Choosing to Cheat. And it talks, because I have, you and I are built a lot alike. Um, and it talks exactly about like someone's going to get cheated on if, you know, if it's work or if it's your family time or your friend's time or your, your you time, which right. you need also. Um, you know, if you have to overgive to work, you got to take from somewhere else. And it's, but it's a really awesome book called choosing to cheat. Yeah. And I mean, not to save this for last, but my wife's amazing. I mean, she has three kids. She battles at five to seven thirty. I mean, we've got a, eight a nine month old a three-year-old and a five a six-year-old now i mean that 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 five to nine o'clock segment is not something i i get home sometimes to help but i'm just like oh you know this i've been working all day this is oh yeah and it is i learned you don't say that to them either oh yeah yeah no. so she's amazing and uh she actually just flew to austin texas for work today so i have all three uh from today to saturday awesome so, dude We'll see. How I'm just goes. right up the street if you need some sanity. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm already calling in people. <laughs> hey, Martin. <laughs> might keep coming this weekend. Martin, before we start to wrap up, I want to tell you that this yeah. podcast is also brought to you in part by the refrigeration company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years, including five years as a national service manager at TRC. They understand that great service means being responsive. They're highly trained, responsible, and dedicated staff are available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. TRC specializes in ammonia refrigeration but works on any other HFC, HCFC, or CO2 systems. TRC is building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. TRC is based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but it's licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection calibration, vibration analysis, and more. To learn more, get in touch with Jeremy Watler at 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at com. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y at the refrig which is r-e-f-r-i-g-c-o dot com you can also follow them at uh, the refrigeration company on facebook or at their website the refrigco.com 
podcast is also brought to you in part by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee in Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton. Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience and with their different areas of expertise, the doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. It's a family practice, so the entire family can be seen no matter ages or severity of problems. They focus on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays, and more. There's TVs and radios in every room, giving patients the comforts of home and all the modern technological treatment, including both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared or for those that might not be fearful, but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take time off for multiple visits. And with sedation, Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit, which ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, get in touch with Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. It's EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. Well, dude, before we wrap up, there was something Bob's mentioned that I want them to just talk about real briefly because I don't think I've ever heard, and maybe I'm just totally missing that a lot of industries do this, but you guys said you guys are working a private dining party and you're going to check out their wine. So what does that look like? Is that something you guys do regularly? And because that sounds really cool and uh, I'm sure it's, you know, not super, super cheap, but, uh, but anyway, I'll Just start off with yeah, So ahead. that is actually what my new, like, I would say new, but I, I finally started paying myself for this. I did it five years pretty much just for the restaurant's benefit. But basically, if someone closes a big deal or you've got a big way to, you know, say attaboy or, you know, give back to people you care about. A lot of times someone will call me and say, you know, we just closed a huge deal. I want to have all my team over to my house and do a dinner for them and, we want you to come with your team and we'll, what we'll do is our, our anniversary in this case, we have a big anniversary coming up and uh, I, I work with the guests about the, the, the menu and what what their expectations are. I mean, we cater anywhere. I've catered in places with kitchens, without kitchens. Okay, so I was about to ask, are you cooking in their kitchen or yeah. are you taking so your kitchen to them? Or? Yeah, so we'll cook in their kitchen. A lot of the, the smaller, you know, under 20 people, we, we would be able to use their kitchen. Outside of that, we tend to bring our own. But we do everything that you can imagine. If you need a bartender, you need a sommelier, you need wines paired, whiskey paired. I mean, between our team, we can make it happen. And we do... We do whatever the guest wants. I mean, whatever they, 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 they give us a little bit of information about them. And I've done dentist office parties, Christmas parties. Um, and then what happens is I work with them on the food and then we'll send in Tiffany. And, you know, a lot of times they want to use their seller for some of our, you know, upper echelon clients have wine sellers and stuff like that. She'll go in and I'll, I'll let you know what she'll do. But, um, you know, I mean, we'll do anything. So do you guys take this on the road too? Like if someone from, Oxford or Memphis or oh, yeah. Dallas or Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Chef just got back from well, yeah, Birmingham. I, I go to Birmingham. I'm doing Meridian food and wine. I mean, I do. I've done New Orleans. We've done. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, my aunt and uncle flown me out to Colorado. That's um, awesome. Man. Oh yeah. I mean, it's you know anywhere. I mean, anywhere. as long as they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, All it's, right. It's got to make sense for them and for me. And I yeah, think sure, that's sure. But one of my 
I want it to feel like a value to them, but also, I, once again, it's it's got to be worth a couple hundred bucks for me to be away from my kids on a Saturday night to cook for eight people. Otherwise, I'd just cook for the, the how many do we have in my house? Five, six, seven. <laughs> There's a bunch. A They're multiplying. A litter. A litter. And so, Bob's, you go in and you help them with their selection. If they have their own wines, or do you bring wines if they don't? Um, I can do either way. So, um, like for this, uh, this one's exciting for me because this guest has a great uh, seller. So, I get to go in and see what they have and then pair the menus from there. Or if you don't have your own personal seller, it's something I can go and buy the wines for you. Um, just, you know, sort of whatever you want to gear it around. Or if you just want recommendations, I can just give you, hey, you should do a cap with this. Or maybe a Malbec with that burger. And with that burger. With that burger. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and then you can go and pick your own. If You know, if you have a, a wine shop that you love and trust, and you can go do that. I mean, so. if it's, if it's business awesome. and you don't want to worry about any of the the stuff that would take you away from business. I mean, you just do you need to be working deals. Let us handle the rest and make it nice. And All a lot right. of people want to be private, you know? So when I, when I build my empire and I take pinnacle to the, to the next level, we'll have you guys come throw us a party. We work on trade too. If uh, Jackson Academy's hearing this. Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. Jackson Academy, if, if, if Jackson Academy's hearing this, I'll manage your endowment for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will raise as much money as you want. That's right. I'll help you raise money. Well, Neil, I know we're bumping up on time, man. And I, I just wanted to ask that question before, cause it popped up and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever seen or heard this before. So we do it all. Through fire or flood, we Through do it fire all. fire or flood. <laughs> Through hell or high water. There's always wine. <laughs> nice. There's always wine and burgers. Always. Well, cool. Well, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming in and chatting with us. Um, it was a lot of fun. Hope to have Alex come back anytime you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk for days about all this stuff. Well, dude, let's. so next time we bring you on, let's talk. We talked with Bob's about wines and what she would pair with foods. Let's, let's bring you on and talk about some food and, and some fun stuff that you guys are doing too. Let's so, do it. We sweet. can talk about rock and roll as well. We can talk about rock and roll as well. That's cool. <laughs> sweet. We will Neil, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that next time. Yeah. Uh, Alex, thanks. Tiffany, thanks yes, so much. Sir, Neil, uh, thank you. Neil, thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll get together again and do it soon. And uh, Martin, you and I will be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N Trust.com. If you uh, mentioned to them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast, you'll get 10% off your first year's fees. So for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money. Until next time, take care.